Now we're recording. Now we're recording. Now, so we were recording, but I hit um, a button, and it was like, okay, you're done recording. And we are recording a very special episode. We are. This is our first yes. advanced screening. Advanced screening. Because, you know, we are... We are very important international businessmen. Yes. Uh, so important that we got... An advanced screening. An advanced screening to the black phone. The black phone. And let me say, there's a. this is why this is important to me. Usually, I am of the philosophy, fuck your spoiler warning. Yes. But because it's an advanced screening, I am not of the philosophy... Fuck your spoiler warning today. Yeah, we, we'll talk spoiler yeah, later. Will, but we'll, I think it's okay to warn. However, I should say, if you haven't seen something and you're worried about spoilers, you should not be listening to anything over 10 minutes. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk about that thing. So, fuck your spoiler warning. <laughs> but. 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 The black phone. The black phone. So, um. Did you share an agenda with me? I did not. Let me share it. Hi. Hi. Um, but we were able to get an advanced screening of this movie because I am a big fancy businessman and I have stock in AMC. A filthy, filthy capitalist. Wow. Us reasonable men of the working class invest in reliable companies like Amazon. Like Amazon. <laughs> 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 what have they done for you? Here's the most evil thing I've done. I've invested my mom in Sinclair Broadcasting. Oh, no. <laughs> because Marquee Network, the Cubs station, is by Sinclair. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, this will only be a good business move. Oh. I know they're the devil, but let's buy some stock. <laughs> well... Unlike your investments, my investment came with benefits. With benefits. I got a free popcorn. What? Yeah, when you sign when you sign up, yeah. they give you a free large popcorn. Probably worth more than actual dividends for certain stocks. Probably. Yes. Uh, and they do offer some advanced screenings. Uh, and I have been able to go to a couple. I went to the Jackass screening. Nice. Uh, and I wanted to go to the Top Gun screening. The problem with that, it was on peasant screen. Ah. And no, nope. I wanted my first time to be with you, the screen I love. You loved. can't go into the danger zone on the peasant screen. Oh, hell no. no. Uh, it needs to be with a screen that I care about. Yes. So the Dolby screen. Um, but uh, we are going to talk about the black phone. We're going to keep it very spoiler light for the first yeah, however long we talk about yeah. at the beginning. And then once we feel like... We want to get into the details, and we'll talk about the details. Yeah. Uh, so you can go ahead and take us away with the synopsis for this week. Finney Shaw, a shy but clever 13-year-old boy, is abducted by a sadistic killer and trapped in a soundproof basement where screaming is of little use. Too sexual. Too Very sexual. Very When a disconnected phone on the wall begins to ring, Finney discovers that he can hear the voices of the killer's previous victims. And they are dead set, ah, so clever, so humorous, on making sure that what happened to them doesn't happen to Finney. Yeah, yeah. so this movie, I feel like, you can can discuss this movie by talking about, like, different aspects of it without giving a lot away. Yes. Um, For starters, I think... 
you got to give praise where it's deserved. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I believe, everybody in the cast. All the acting. All the acting. Yeah, uh, from the kids yes. to even the side characters. Yeah. Uh, you Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, especially. Yes. I think he does a fantastic to job. parental figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of go over some of the, some of the basics, uh, the main character for our story is Finney. Finney. Um, he is like uh, like we like we discussed. He is a uh, small thirteen year old boy. Small. Um, emphasis on small. Like it, yeah. it, they do make a good point that he is a scrawny kid. Yeah. Um, he is a pitcher. He plays baseball. Yes. Uh, very very talented from at least what they kind of tell us. But not the most talented. Not the most talented. But very um, talented. But very talented. Yeah. Uh, enough that at least when when he plays, like his opponents do. You Take know, him complimental. Exactly. You know, they, they go, yeah. You know, you got a you got a hell of an arm, kid. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a good way to introduce you to Finney. Um, because you know, especially with this movie being set in, like the seventies, late seventies, right? Yes. Um, I mean, what other way is there to introduce a kid back then? Like, it's usually sports. Backyard, lots of backyard activities. Backyard activities. Yeah. Uh, from. <laughs> this this movie is the life that your parents and grandparents talked about having and emphasized that you did not have, my millennial peers. Yes, I would I would agree. Yeah, you know, being in sports, uh, hanging out with your friends. Yeah, uh, biking to their house at night. Biking, right? yeah, you know, sleeping yeah. over. Yeah, the neighborhood and, is very much uh, is is very much an element of this movie. Yes, right? the kids walk to school in packs. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, happens. and and you do yeah. you see that. Um, you get a feeling that even though Finney is not like a social outcast, he is not popular by any means. Correct. Um, I mean, he's good enough for his, you know, for his team. So you know, he's got those friends. Um, but I mean, in school, you know, he does get picked on. Uh, in in many ways, he is kind of like your quintessential school age story protagonist. Yes. Yeah. Right. Your your stereotypical Stephen King. Yeah. Everything we described, you know, the young the young boy who's scrawny, right, and then yeah, over encounters challenge, yes, and, and uh, spoiler enough to say overcomes, um, but yes, encounters challenge has an arc, right? Yes, yeah, which is which is nice because in a lot of um, he's a very archetypical hero. Yes, yeah, which is perfectly fine, which is what you need in a movie like this, which you don't always get. Correct. Uh, that's a big criticism of a lot of horror movies is that your character is kind of the same throughout the whole movie and the only thing that changes is maybe they fight. If I, if I think about it, actually, this... I, I did not go into today with this observation, but now that we talk about it, um, there's a lot of emphasis on modern horror, but just I think modern media and movies in general, which kind of aim to... Deconstruct the white male focused arc, right? Go on. Um, our protagonist uh, in this typically masculine situation is a woman. Uh, sure. Yes. Right. We're going to be focusing on uh, a black family, right? Jordan Peele, very good for that, right? Um, and if you if you think about it, like this, this movie could have been made. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, right, with a lot of these same, with a lot of these same beats, 
Um, but it also doesn't feel it, it doesn't feel like that's a detriment. Meaning like there's a there's a female character in this movie who I think is like fantastic. <laughs> and very much a character. Um, and has a lot more to do than she did in the source material. Um, oh yes. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's dare I say for me for me as a white man, <laughs> it is it's a it's a refreshing take on a white male story. Yeah, yeah. and and you know I've I've been thinking about it. You don't get that a lot. No, like I feel like especially lately, you yeah. are right. You're whatever the story is. This is a pretty standard kidnapping story. I right. feel. Um, I mean that's the that's the premise. If you've seen a trailer for this, you know it's a kidnapping story. Yeah. But I feel like, especially nowadays, you get a lot of like it's a it's a woman or right. it's somebody like you mentioned uh, a minority who's been. And let me be clear: this is not me saying we need more white male representation. No, right? I'm saying to this movie's credit, it took less than original character elements, mm-hmm. right, and then did something fun and exciting. With yes. Them. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like that's where a lot of a lot of these things have been, right? Like they want to explore like the new horrors, right. which is the way that women are treated and the way that minorities can be treated. Uh, and usually you kind of go, ah, another white boy, whatever. Right. Uh, but you do feel you do feel for this kid. Um, and to kind of pivot, we mentioned uh, like the other characters, his sister in the in the movie. Awesome. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Personality uh, up the wazoo. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot. She is, you know. You know when they say that someone has moxie. Yeah. I feel like this girl is the like the embodiment of someone having moxie. I like the actress and character of young Princess Leia in Obi Wan. Right. I I would say that for Disney Star Wars, this this kid has moxie. I think this character makes her moxie look like Eeyore. <clears throat> Yeah, right. so so you watch so yeah. to go with yeah. your with your thing of, of Princess Leia, like it it feels like hey you're playing a girl with Moxie, yeah, play yeah, it up, yeah. Whereas this girl in not this, a girl with moxie, yeah, no, this girl has that Moxie she has and moxie. she is running with it. Yeah, uh, there is uh, not to not to go into spoilers, but there is one particular scene where she gets into a fight with her like not with her brother, but she is helping her brother with a fight. Yeah, and just. Goes yeah. all in. This girl commits. She is she, ride or die. She goes all in. She commits, and she she gets it. She gets it. She gets it. She gets yeah. it. Um, so that that the that's her. Um, Ethan Hawke. He plays our our main antagonist. Yeah. Uh, he does not get a name. Nor does he need one. Nor does he need one. He is just known as the Grabber, um, which is a difference from the source material. In the source material, he does get a name. He has a name, and is very physically different. Well, yes. And this is not a visceral detail, in my opinion. There's, he's purposefully, physically, the way he is in the source material. He's very, he's, he's not described like that at all in this. Yeah, no, yeah. you don't, you don't, and, and you don't need that either. I feel like he does no. a perfectly good job being yeah. intimidating. Yep. In this movie, uh, whenever he is on screen, there is like a feeling of like unsettling. Like, yes. It feels up there with Buffalo Bill. Yes. With the Joker, right? Yeah. It's it's that level of bad. <laughs> which which is really funny to consider 
Because, like, I feel like this guy has to be a really good actor outside of his extracurriculars yeah. to not rub people the wrong, wrong way. Yeah. Because if I saw this motherfucker walk into a store and I look at him, I'd be like, oh. Well, here's the thing. All right, so let's... Can we give our rate? Can we give our rating and spoilers now? Or sure. Today? You know, we're twelve minutes in. Yeah. At this point, fuck your spoiler warning. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. At this point, if you're if you're going to be interested in watching this, yeah, go go see it. it. Like it, it comes out. I'm gonna put out this video Friday. Yes. Movie comes out on Friday the twenty fourth. Yes. Um, go see it. It's it's really really good. It's not super scary. Yeah. But it is very suspenseful. It is very gripping. Yes. Uh, Moving? Like, you feel emotionally... Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, it's got catharsis. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, um, get, you get arcs yep. from multiple characters, I feel. Exactly. Um, I gave... I, I'm doing a Letterboxd this year. Um, this is the first movie that's gotten a 4.5 out of 5 for me. Um, very, very... I loved it. Um, my highest score so far has been a four. And I have questions for you on that score a little bit later when we get for into sure. spoilers. But. I, I, well, the last thing I'll say before we get into spoilers is if you are like me and you love A24, <laughs> but you think A24 is kind of like peak. past its peak, um, this movie for me got the quality of A24 without feeling like an A24 movie. It's not a slow burn, right? Nope. It's not artsy fartsy. Nope. Um, but just as good, I would say. Just as yes, yeah. up there with the hereditaries, the the witches of the world. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate because you feel like a lot of times that people go, "Oh, it's just another horror movie from whatever right. big production company," and you know, it just goes to show like all you really need is yeah. a solid screenplay. Yeah. A director who knows what they're doing and a good cast. Yeah, Blumhouse did it for me, so I go see it. Yeah, please go see it. Go see it. Yeah. All right, so now we are officially in fuck your spoilers territory. Fuck your spoilers. Fuck your spoilers. Yeah. Um, so what did you wanna wanna get into right away? So um, we, what were we discussing before we? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking. We were talking about Ethan Hawke and how yeah. he's different from. Yeah. Um, and how like if you like ran into him on the street like that would be yeah, yeah. like you, you could tell this guy's got some kids in his basement so here's what interesting this is so the the original short story this is spoilers for the short story as well which is it's very similar yeah, I yeah. feel like when I listen to it, it you're, there's nothing in there that's different right enough I recommend seeing the movie first and then reading the short story because I feel like the movie is a much fuller version, a much more fleshed out version of what the short story offered. The short story I don't think is bad. Um, for a short story, it's great. And it, it's a short story. It's a, it, This is not like a Bartleby the Scrivener short story. Uh, this is, on this script, is it, yeah. there's a professional like read version yeah. of it and it's 40 minutes. Yeah, seven about 7,500 words. Give or take, yeah. yeah. So... Um, the short story takes place with not a designated time period, but there's nothing in the short story to suggest that it's taking place other than when it was written. Yeah. And it's published in a book called 20th Century Ghost Stories, so I think that should lead you to assume that it should take place in a contemporary time, even though there's nothing that definitely says to place in X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, I think the choice to have it take place in the 70s was smart because, like you said, Ethan Hawke just might be like very unsettling. Mm -hmm. 
And when I've like personally met people whose glorious days were like the seventies, some of these are just these like offsetting, gross, disgusting people. <laughs> I'll give you an example. There was a maintenance man at the hospital I used to work at. Um, was good friends with this other guy I worked with. Was very nice, but for all intents and purposes, he was white trash. Right. <laughs> I hope. No. Fair. Yeah. So he was like, man, tell me about what well, was the 60s, but, you know, he would have experienced it. He's like, man, what was it like living in the 60s? And he's like, the, the maintenance guy was like, all you cared about was getting drunk and getting pussy. Right? <laughs> like, this, this, it was, I had never met this man before. That He was uh-huh. very fine with this being, like, his first impression of me. And just, like, the hairstyles back then, the griminess back then, while I agree that Ethan Hawke character would have needed to put on some acting to like not be unsettling it, it was an unsettling time or at least it was perceived as yeah. being like a very unsettling time um, so like you know we we were not as conscious about protecting kids back then as we are as we are now mm-hmm. right um, media back then wasn't you know wasn't what it is now like you could be a very creepy, unsettling person, and your family would just be like, "This is Uncle Joe. <laughs> this is Uncle Joe. This is this is my brother. Yeah. He just happens to have yeah. a locked garage door. Yeah. Drink his tang in his powder jar. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it there is something to it, right? Yeah. Like I, I remember thinking it was very weird watching the movie, yeah. not in a bad way. Yeah. Um, this is like one of the early scenes where you see, uh, Finny and and Gwynny going home. Yeah. And she's just like, all right, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> Take care of dad. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, do they not live together? Yeah. That- I was a little confused. And then, you know, I was like, well, no. She's just going to like a sleepover. Because by, by then it's been established that their dad is physically abusive, right? Yes. Um, I don't know that he like. Or at least an alcoholic. He's absolutely an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, he doesn't strike me as someone who just like beats their kids for like the fun of it right uh, I'm not saying that when he does eventually beat the shit out of and out what of, a scene out of win yeah these kids have nailed crime in their in their acting in yes their and and you get you get two different types of crying here yeah. uh, you definitely get the my dad is beating the shit out of me and I'm both like sad because he's beating the shit out of me and I'm angry about it yeah from her and you get the desperation crying from from Finney when he is trapped in the basement. Neither of which is quiet. Oh, right? no. Neither of which is stoic. They're Neither of which should be. Wet, sloppy, you know, like, probably have mucus running down your mouth. Oh, probably. And, and the way she plays that yeah. scene, uh, which I thought was not, not hilarious in, like, the situation... But in the way that they chose to have her play it. Yeah. Because she's, like, getting the hell beat out of her dad with a belt. Yeah. Which, yo, relatable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, like, at one point, she grabs, like, a bottle of vodka. And she's like, yes. if you hit me again, I will fucking drop this yes. bottle. And I'm like, my goodness. She is. <laughs> so, I, I love me some religion, right? Uh-huh. She that wasn't sarcastic viewers at home by the way. Um, she she prays to Jesus. Yeah, frequently in this movie. Um, 
Which, as a side note, in the short story, A, she's not really much of a character. She's older, too. It hints that she's got something going on. Yes. That something is not integral to the plot of the story. <coughs> but all of her experience with that thing is centered in the occult. She likes tarot cards and she likes fortune tellers. Yes. In here, she is religious, right? Mm-hmm. And she still has the moxie to when Jesus does not answer her prayer and be like, Jesus, what the fuck? <laughs> Which, like, that a lie. That's probably the biggest laugh, I think, in a, in a serious movie yeah. in, a, in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but you feel that. You feel her desperation because she's like, I have something that I can do. I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, and she's looking for those signs. So it, it it was very very funny. Yeah. To hear her. To hear. To her hear her. Have and and like we said, like the, all that it just shows her moxie. When we talked earlier about the fight scene, yeah. where um, so Finney has a a friend. He's a little Mexican boy. I believe he's Mexican. Yeah. Um, at least that's the implication. Latino, for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I am not 100% sure on the name. Me, I forget as well. Um, but he's he kind of protects Finney. Yeah. Um, this is a really, like, tough kid where they don't just tell you, hey, watch out for the Mexican boy. He is tough. Like, me? they show you... That he is beating the hell out of this kid. His name is Robin. Yes. Uh, he beats the hell out of this uh, racist ginger kid who calls him a beaner. Yeah. And he just gets his ass kicked. Continue. Um, and it, it shows you a really good dynamic between the two of them. Uh, and at one point, Finney's getting bullied and he tells the bullies, like, hey, if you fuck with Finney, you're fucking with me and I'm yeah. going to fuck you up. Robin Ariano. Ariano. Yeah. Um... Which then, when he ends up getting kidnapped by the grabber, then that leaves Finney without someone to protect him. And that kind of shows you that, like, again, even though Finney is, he's an athletic kid, he is still very scrawny. He's still very defenseless overall. Mm -hmm. He doesn't stand up for himself. Um, You also see that being played out with his sister. Yeah. When she is getting beat uh, by her dad, he wants to stand up. Yeah. uh, But he doesn't overstep his boundary with his dad. He, yeah. He stays in the in the family room and just watches her, you know, get just belted. Yeah. Um, so then it, it's a nice growth for him in the end when he does eventually overcome that a little bit. The way this movie handles violence is so excellent because it's never gratuitous. This never becomes a torture porn movie. Yes, it's and it's it's realistic. It's realistic. It's say. intense, right? It's not PG thirteen violence. Yeah. So so going back to that yeah. to that fight, yeah. um, he is fighting. He's getting his ass kicked by three kids. He yeah. is getting jumped. That's you know he's getting yeah. jumped. There's no there's no there's not a fight. Yeah. But you see his sister get a glimpse of this fight, and she's like, "Oh hell no!" Yeah. And she runs in, guns blazing, grabs a rock, and just. Like, Max yeah. cracks a kid's head open. Yeah. Uh, what if uh, it was it was her moonlight moment? Not with a chair. Sure. Right, but with a rock. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I, I think the thing I love the most is that as she is, like, she just hits this kid in the head, one of the friends turns around and just 
kicks her right in the fucking teeth. Yeah. And you see that she's like, she's got like a bloody mouth. Yeah. Um, and she just like goes out. She like sits by the fence with the kid who she just beat his head open. And they just both sit together. Yeah. Like, in their, exactly. good fight, basically. Exactly. Um, um, which is what fighting was right i mean th- th- i've been in my fair in my fair share of like kids fights yeah like we got we went hard but never like beat someone with a with a rock card no but i was i was very impressed by this little girl yeah but if you but i guess if you hear stories of speaking of someone who's never been in a fight right so i i have no authority to speak but you do hear stories of like oh back in the day like you know the bullies would follow you after school and then all three of them would you know would jump you if that's happening, like those kids do not have like the wherewithal to like pull their pull their punches. Pull their punches. I mean, like, I don't know if you remember when we were in. Uh, I think it was my senior year of high school, so your junior year of yeah. high school. Uh, some girl got jumped in in the hallway in, at West. No, they beat her up so hard with like a Gatorade bottle. There was blood all over the walls. Jesus. I was like Jesus. Well, that I mean, but that's what can happen. It's not what it's not outside the realm of possibility. Exactly. And, so and yet it never becomes saw, right? This move, this movie. Yes, yeah. exactly. And and they could have right. So so Finney gets kidnapped. Yeah. And he gets taken to this weird like. It's weird. It's weird. Not, I don't want to say it's a rapey dungeon. No, there's so there's like a weird feeling where like there might be some rapey tendencies. Yes, but it's never explicitly said. Never confirmed. It's always like that possibility is always hovering over you. And I think that adds, yeah, to the like the tension. Right there's there's a scene. And I, I noticed this too because it's also in the book. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like I was like, when I listened to it in the book and when I heard it in the movie, and this could be a, a way that maybe it was written mm-hmm. or, or the way that maybe it was read when he's doing the, the narration. But he says, um, he's like, oh, I'm not going to hurt you. He's like, I'm not going to do anything you wouldn't like. Mm-hmm. And there's a very purposeful pause in the movie Yeah, that is not there in the... In the, the audio version of the book where even Finney like it shoots back to him and he's kind of like what the fuck does that mean yeah and it's so unsettling that was one of those things that like for me it made my like my skin crawl a little bit it was interesting so I so going back to the Robin character it's never confirmed but I, I think you could potentially read Sexual tension between him and Finney. A little bit. A little bit, maybe. A little bit right? It's a, you, you, you could write a defensible essay on this topic. <laughs> right? Uh, they, they never go out to confirm it, uh-huh. but you could. So you have, you have that element, right, that's maybe there. So when it gets to the point that this creepy, you know, unhinged. unhinged dude is kidnapping these little boys, right? Like we're aware of John Wayne Gacy, yeah. Yes, so like that, that's in the air of the movie that you're breathing as the audience, but it, it never explicitly says that's happening. And in fact, in terms of the events that it does describe through our dead characters' lenses, none of them mention any sort of sexual anything yeah. yeah the the only one that's a little weird is the the one like 
jump like scary jump scare that we get with our dead characters is the one body that's like hung kind of like with its back bent yeah that was the only one that i was like that looks like a weird position for the yes. body to be it could be an implication but it gets it it's not it's, it's all right. just implied right and let me also be clear i'm not like looking for this stuff in the movie if anything i'm, I'm glad I'm glad it was able to balance that fear sort of being in your head while still making the conscious choice of saying, no, we're not going to go there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, but it's also, it's hard not to, not to make those, or want to make For those sure. connections because yeah. of how many yeah. cases you... There's some fucked up people like, well. Especially yeah. back in, yeah. in the 80s and 70s of like these people who would kill boys and they would do Lord knows what with yeah. their bodies, right? So... You know that the setting I feel like also played a bit of that because you're like, is this going that way? And yeah, there's never a confirmation one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and and so then we do get, um, we do get some playfulness from Ethan Hawke yeah. in this movie, in a way that is almost childish. Yes. Um, the masks. The masks. The the idea that this is a game. Right. Right. Like when he gets when Finney gets the phone calls from the dead children, like they specifically mention like you're not dead, like or you haven't called, died. Yeah. They also call it Naughty Boy, right? I yeah. Think, like that's literally the name of the game. The game is called Naughty yeah. Boy, but they specifically say like you're not dead because you're not playing the game. Yeah. Um. So it, it's this implication that for him, it's like a ritualistic process right he yeah. and this is very serial killery right yeah. they have a process and if if the kill doesn't meet this process then the kill is probably not going to happen yeah in a scheduled manner right um there is one there is one scene where he like brings him the eggs and he's like i brought your breakfast yeah. He's like, what you put in this? He's like, oh, salt and pepper. Right. Which <laughs> he's he's got a good point. He's like, why? I already have you here. Yeah, I don't need to poison you. Okay. I don't need to do anything to you. Um, what a boring serial killer! If that was the way he would do it. He's right? like, hey, I brought you into my home, and I'm gonna poison you yeah. here. Yeah, that'd yeah. be that'd be stupid. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> it's it, it was kind of interesting too of the way they use the dead kids. Yes. To help Finney. Uh, which is also different from the story. Yes. In in the short story, he only gets he gets different phone calls, but there's never any voices. The only time he hears a voice is it's Yamada, right? Yamada, yeah. And and it's just the one voice, the one call that he's like, "Hey, he left you." Yeah. Something to fight back with. It's the the receiver for the phone. Which is also interesting because in the short story. Finney is the one who finds all these things, right? He finds the wire. Um, he never finds. There's no freezer, but I, there's I, no freezer. I think any of his elements of escape, he has found already. Mm -hmm. And then Yamada is the one who says, "Now put them together." Yes, right. Which I could see where someone would actually prefer that, but I, I like that. Like we said earlier, like. These dead kids have an arc, yeah. right? Like they're they're still able to help beyond the grave, mm -hmm. and it's very much a community effort thing. to yeah. get them to get them out of there. Yeah. Even even like the the 
town like menace helps him yeah right so you have this uh this kid who's like a violent like punk basically yeah almost as bad as ethan hawk Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he yeah. he gets he gets bumped while playing ping pong, and he just like beats the shit out of a kid. Yes, like damn near beats him to pinball. death. Pinball, excuse me. What did I say? You said ping pong. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Yes, yeah. pinball. Um, which like, oh my goodness, imagine almost killing someone over a game of pinball. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that's what the days, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but you do you do get that that feeling of there's there's some progression happening, right? Every every new victim is is able to help him with something yeah and you also get the feeling that this is happening because of the connection they have to to their mom yeah to finney's mom specifically right the girl gets visions right or you know some sort of like premonition dreams and finney has this connection right because they do say that none of the other kids heard voices right they do say that they did hear the phones ringing. Mm-hmm. So there is some sort of inherent, like, supernatural element here. But it's not until Finney, who has this connection to the mom, who had some sort of thing going on, right. that he is able to make the connection, like, the clairvoyant connection to these. And what I, what I like about it is it, it definitely communicates the theme that it, it really does take a village, right? Mm-hmm. And usually you see these stories of like community togetherness being the lesson of the day in these much more sunshine and rainbows environments, mm. right? You have your little hamlet, you know, out in the, not hamlet the character, but you have your little, you know, your, your little village out between some mountains, right? There's chickens and, you know, we sing songs. Mm. Um, but, but this is real Americana where yes we were a community but you know we were beating the shit out of each other yeah. for playing pinball our dads were <laughs> drunk and beat us with and beat us with belts right it's, yeah. it's kids working together to survive kids working with the police characters to survive right even the dad at the end gets somewhat of an arc and you start to see that about halfway through the movie too yeah. so at the beginning when we mentioned that Winnie gets her shit kicked in by her dad yeah. it's because she talked to the police about visions, visions yeah. right so um, which is very it's very misleading from the trailers right I don't know if you saw a lot of the trailers for this but it's like the trailer implies that she's talking to the police because she is having visions about Finney mm. where in the movie you find out that the reason why she's talking to the police is because she's having visions about the other previous yeah. kids who have gone missing right um, so then that that I thought was already kind of like starting to introduce this aspect of oh she's going to play a bigger role in this yeah. um, and then the dad gets upset yeah at first you're kind of like well maybe dad is upset because he feels like the police are onto her because she may have done something wrong right uh, but then you you later find out that it's because dad is not happy about her having these visions yeah and telling people that she has these visions because mom also had these visions and she ended up committing suicide. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of understand. It doesn't excuse his behavior by any means, but you start to see where he's coming from. Uh, and then about halfway through the movie, she talks to him and tells him, like, hey, I know you don't like me having these visions. And, and he gets kind of like, starts to get angry. Right. But then she says, like, what if these could help us find Finney? 
Yeah. And he does still dismiss her. Like, I believe the scene just kind of, like, moves on. Um, but then at the end, when they do locate Finny, I think that, like, it finally does click in with that, that, like, this isn't just in her head. Like, she did... This is legitimate. She did lead right. the police here, um, which I thought was an interesting twist at the end of the movie. Yes. Uh, I think he asks for their forgiveness, right? Yes. He, yeah. he seems very apologetic. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, you never right. know, right? With an alcoholic, next. you never, you never know. Yeah, but then fair enough. The movie chooses to end there, right? So we can't assume that everything was hunky dory afterwards. But that's at least still. Yeah, we can't always yeah. assume that it's going to be right. perfect. We also can't assume that it's going to go back to being. But structurally, that's a point of emphasis that the movie wanted us to. Yes, focus on. that that's what it chose to end. So, yeah. you know, we, we'll take yeah. that as a as a win. I think there was a very interesting scene. And I I don't know what I can say about it, just other than the fact that I found it funny and interesting. That involves the dad um, and Winnie. I I forget if Finney's been kidnapped at this point. He probably has. But she has her little, like, religious paraphernalia hidden in her dollhouse, right? And, like, she's praying. And then you see the dad walk by. He's like, I know what you're doing in there, right? And, like, I thought, like, he was in on her, like... Praying. Asking, at, praying, but asking for her psychic powers. Yeah. And then he's like, it's late. You're not supposed to be playing. Go <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, it, like interesting. Like her, it, like a, a normal dad would see like your kid doing your childhood prayers and be like, ah, oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> right? But for her, it would be something forbidden. And then he was, you know, playing is what he assumed. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of funny. I don't know what to say about it other than the fact that it's funny, but. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, it 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 was uh it was an interesting like again, because these these ideas where you think this is where the dad's going because you know he doesn't like this, yeah, and he just just does not even go there, yeah. Um. So, to kind of, you know, start because I mean I really don't know how much else we can talk about this without like repeating ourselves too much, um when they do show how she is getting these visions Mm -hmm. I thought it was an interesting uh, use of this like Super 8 style filming like old school like vintage like recording camera yeah Uh, similar to what you saw in like Sinister right Uh, but it's showing her being inserted into the memories of these kids yeah uh, which I'm like, you know what? If if this is how Scott Derrickson decides this is gonna be his style, using these like old school vintage like styles, yes, right. you know, I'm perfectly I'm, per- I'm perfectly happy with that. Uh, it was interesting to see that that scene of um, I, I'm not sure on the kid's name, but the one who beats the hell out of the guy with the pinball. Uh, uh, scene... Is it Moose or no? Moose might be the first bully. Buzz. Uh, it's not no, Buzz. No, Buzz is the one that gets his uh, his shit. I think it's yeah. Maddie. Yeah. Uh, so when when he gets uh, when we get that vision of, of her seeing what he did, uh-huh. um, it's overlapped with that is at the same time that Finney is getting the phone call from this kid. Right. So that was also an interesting way of showing how like these things are happening almost concurrently. Concurrently, right? Yeah. And, and then she gets inserted into his memory. And when he is talking to Finney, he's like talking and just like talking nonsense. Yeah. But then you find out it's because he's talking to Gwynny. 
Well, and that's that's what I loved. The well, that, but then also, so all the kids who he talks to, they kind of repeat and utter these like cryptic lines mm-hmm. that seem to be spelling out Finney's doom. But then the irony is when he has that beautiful, satisfying moment of just beating the shit out of this fuckface, mm-hmm. right? All those cryptic lines you find out are also geared towards Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Right? Um, which I think was a fun little play because you, you think this kid is doomed, right? I, I you know, I, I I thought that him dying was very, very Possible. well within the realm of possibility. It could, you yeah. know? I mean, if you, if you remember Sinister... It does not have a happy ending. Yeah, and then, um, I mean, Hereditary, right? Not Hereditary. Not the same director, but I mean, he's Hail Payment, right? Hail Payment, yeah. you know? This could have gone... The other way. The other way. Yeah. And I think this is one of the benefits of not having read the short story first. Yes. Um, I did know that this was based on a story by Joe Hill, who is the son of Stephen King. Uh, and even with Stephen King, a lot of his stories don't have a happy ending. Yeah. I mean, if you think of movies like Salem's Lot. What did, what did you think of the ending ending? The last scene. The ending ending? Yeah. I'm having, I'm drawing a blank on He that. gets the girl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh. Yeah. Uh, he's like, uh, it's good to see you, Fiddy. It's Finn. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it, I, I went back and forth on it for a little bit. I was like, all right, this is... It's cheesy. It's cheesy. To, to quote that one meme of, like, this is why I hate video games. It appeals to the male fantasy, right? Yes. It, 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 it appeals to the male fantasy, right? But A, well-earned, first and foremost. And then B, <laughs> I think it needs that sort of, like, humor to really deflate. So you know what it reminded me of? Yeah. Remember, I won't name names. But we, we had a conversation okay. not too long ago with our group of friends. Okay. And we were talking about, like, sexual fantasies. Okay. And they were like, what's your go-to fantasy? And this person, our friend, our acquaintance, mentioned that, like, he needs to go through this process of, like, basically saving the girl before he can do anything with the girl in the dream so I do not I do not remember that conversation. <laughs> we'll have to refresh this conversation. But it's it's interesting because remember how I talked about how I loved the way violence was used mm-hmm. in this movie. All right, so two things. One, um, it is June twentieth, twenty twenty two. The Robb Elementary School shooting at Uvalde, Texas, was yeah. less than a month ago. Right. Um, there was recently a, a video from twenty fourteen that went viral on Reddit of another school shooter that is um, disarmed by a student. Yes. Now, top comment on this thread was like, this kid lived every... This kid lived out all our fantasies, right? A, there is a common fantasy of saving the school. Saving saving the day. Being the hero, and that's... Which he gets, and I think he earns... Finney. Finney, yes. because he's in such a powerless position. The, yeah, he's he's against an adult, a white male adult, a right? white male adult, uh, uh, someone who overpowered kids who he feels he is inferior to. Yes, so I think um, much like too many comparisons in this little segment, but bear with me. A lot of people hated the Harry Potter epilogue. 
you may have been one of them. I don't know for sure. Um, but they're like, oh, this was too happy for Harry. And I'm like, look, this motherfucker went through so much shit. Let him be happy. Let, him, let everybody get married. Like, yeah. <laughs> like who cares? It, similarly, cheesy, yes. But yes, let, let this kid get the girl. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, B, what I loved about the way that this movie handled violence is how satisfying those moments of violence were. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the end, after he gets the final training from Robin, Robin, um, he uses all the tools he's accumulated along his hero's journey, right? Which I, I, you know, maybe this is me being big dumb, but I didn't think he would use all the tools at the end. I thought he was just going to use the hole. Yeah. And the thing, and that when I saw the grate at yeah. the bottom of the hole, when I saw him use the cord yeah. to like strangle him. Uh, he uses the stakes yeah. to get away from I, the dog. I didn't predict it either, but yes, it's all very archetypical, right? Like mm-hmm. right? Um, so there was the debate on violence in media has crept its head again. Of course. Um, now this is not gun violence in this movie, but it is. No. But it is, and I, it is violence, and I think that this movie kind of shows us the important role that violence in art actually does play. Right? There is, you know, even though we're kind of towing lines of this is everybody's fantasy, right? To save the girl or whatever. Even though he didn't save the girl, he saved But to save, to save the yeah, day, right? right? To, right. Um, to get justice. That, I think, is the key word. I, I think when violence is successful in a lot of art, it highlights that getting of justice, right? And, you know, here, like, I, I know there is people who are too stupid to think critically, but, like, no, nobody, nobody thinks that this is a realistic situation, right? And I know some people will say, like, oh, well, you know, um, you can't expect everybody to, like, be able to think like that and I'm like I'm sorry I, I I don't think we have to dumb down our art because you know there's fucking psychos out there yeah with that being said though like it you know it's it, today is when I thought of it as kind of like a David and Goliath story I'm like there, there is something satisfying about seeing David beat Goliath yes and, and the movie's not sending the message of like now go have your own power male fantasy it's, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of showing how things are and aren't and so so if anybody if anybody wants to make the argument that this movie shows like that violence is is you know the answer yeah like they i feel like that that would be missing the point right like the only the only violence that we see here is really that final struggle yeah like we never we never really see the grabber be violent right towards finney Right. And we don't see him be violent towards the other kids. Yeah. Every time, the only like actual attack that we see is when he attacks Finney, but that's because we are following Finney. Yeah. Any other movie that would like to be gratuitous would have shown us Ethan Hawke grabbing the other kids, right. Ethan Hawke killing the other kids. Doing ritual. Right. Whatever, right? right? But they don't. Yeah. They show us what the bodies look like at the end. You know, right. some of the kids have cuts on their faces. 
Um, I believe uh, Maddie, who's like the we think he's the the asshole kid. Yeah. Uh, like his eyes are maybe cut out. Yeah. But it, even that's kind of obscure. Like it's kind of leaving you to kind of fill in those blanks. It's not gratuitous, like we said. It's not showing us the violence for the sake of violence. When the movie resorts to the violence, is when it absolutely needs to. That that and also, I mean, it, but it, it it also reflects an accurate picture of what as accurate as you can be in fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Of how it's it's fucked up to be a kid sometimes. It right? is like the people who are supposed to protect you do the opposite. Yeah, right? uh, the community that is supposed to build you up. No, I don't push you down and kicks the shit out of you, yeah. right? So what else is what else is there to do sometimes other than punch back? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, we we mentioned how it was nice to see him at the end of the of the end at the end of the movie to put everything together. The one character that we haven't talked about is uh, James Ranzone. He is uh, <laughs> he plays Ethan Hawke's brother. Yeah. Uh, he is this. Um, this guy who who wants to solve this this case. big this yeah. case right yeah. so you're introduced to him he's like super high energy he's got a the you know the stereotypical conspiracy board yeah uh, he's like a he, yeah but then, then you find out that he's got like a a, uh, a mirror with cocaine yeah. <laughs> and the cops look at him and he's like ah shit yeah. um, a very fun introduction. Uh, and then after that scene ends, like you just see him, he looks defeated. Yeah. He takes a bump, and then the camera pans down, and you find and out. it's his fucking basement. This was put a lot for me of this movie hinged on this moment because I think the movie could have fucked itself over there. Now, granted, he is that character is in the book, right, mm-hmm. uh, or in the short story. Um, it it takes a lot of crafting of believability to make us buy into the fact that Ethan Hawke was doing this shit his brother who's in who's like trying to solve a case is right there and all this is happening under his nose and I think the movie delivers the movie made it plausible for me to believe that he's enough of an idiot yes like the A the two houses right that's an important element B mm-hmm. that he's you know a stupid 70s cokehead right um the soundproof, you know, it's em- it's emphasized that it's a soundproof door, mm-hmm. right? So when it, when it panned down and it revealed that his brother was in that house, I was like, ooh, are they are they gonna fuck this up, right? <laughs> and they don't. They don't. They they, they, they yeah. nail it. Yeah. Um, I think there is something where it's implied. I think the the book does a little bit better of a job of doing this, kind of letting you know that the brother is not a not a permanent fixture of this household. Yes. Um, I think it's something must have happened, and now brother has to basically board here. Yes. Um, yes. For whatever reason, and you know what? Yeah. Him being a cokehead, I feel like it's enough of an explanation for me. Right. To be like, yep, he he must have fucked something up, yep. and now he's here. Yeah. Uh, but there is also like I think that is the most violent scene that we get yeah. when the brother does finally. Find Finny. Yeah, he's yeah. looking at he's looking at his <laughs> at his cork board and he sees the map and he kinda like starts to go something's off. Yeah. My brother has a locked <laughs> And that's that's the other point where they, they could have fucked it up right there. But yeah. it also is 
his acting and then how he finally puts pieces together. And yeah. and that realization where he's like, oh shit, like, yeah. I knew he had something, but I did not expect it to be this. Yes, he doesn't explicitly, like, hit his head on his, you know, hit his hand on his forehead. Yeah, he doesn't face like palm. Like, stupid me, but he, he basically did, right? He, he kind of realizes that it's a face palm moment. Exactly. Yeah. And and then that's when we do see, <laughs> we see Ethan Hawke in the background just walking up yeah. to him. And just clonk him in the head with an axe. Um, which, funny enough, doesn't... Uh, I thought that was going to be what Ward Finney would use ultimately to kill him. Yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, he's able to... Uh, he digs a hole. Yep. He's able to trip him into the hole. Uh, starts choking him. And then we get that very satisfying... Um, the, the the, the, uh, he yeah, beats he, a shadow with the phone yeah. who who he gets trained by by Robin, Robin to yeah. you know how to fight how to properly you know juke him basically yeah. and then we get that very satisfying like mic drop moment where the phone rings and it's for he's like it's for you yeah. and like you know he puts the the receiver up to the ear yeah uh, and he hears the voices doesn't right. he right yes uh, and and then he just kills him yep uh, very quick, yeah. right? No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't need to get violent. Yeah. More than that, uh, it doesn't need to get needlessly gory. Yeah, just nice, quick. He beats the hell out of them, and then that's it. Yeah. Um, and then that's you know you get your your satisfaction of he he figured this out. Yeah, you this, get to see him reunited with his family. You get to see him reunited right. with the family. Uh, you get you, to see him get the girl. <laughs> you get to see him get the girl, right? Yeah. You get you get the catharsis yeah. of he's been through all this shit. Yeah. He's he earned he earned the He earned his nickel. He yeah. earned he earned his his it's Vin now. Yeah. Like line, yeah. I feel. Like any any other movie it would have felt like yes. needlessly cheesy. Now I, I think you could have you could have ended the movie before him going back to school. And I would have been happy. And if you told me there was an alternate universe where they added that, <laughs> I'd be like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> but after having saw it, having seen it, I approve. And I think it's interesting. There's, there's, there's three points where you could end this movie. You could end it with the kill, right? You could end it with the reuniting with the family. Mm-hmm. And then you could end it with that epilogue in school. And I'm, I'm glad we got all three. One of the things that I find the most unbelievable about this ending is that, like... It's a small town. Yeah. Ain't no way the whole town doesn't know that this happened. I mean, and he just walks on in, and the teacher doesn't even say hi. <laughs> he just walks hey into man, the room. It was the, it was the 70s. I guess. Teachers teachers could get away with, um, to all the old teachers out there, <laughs> you had a much easier job than we do. Uh, <laughs> they could get away with just like reading the newspaper. Like, yeah. Yeah, as they're... You know. You're not wrong. Yeah. Ah, good time. Good time. This is a very good time. Very, very I good time. I was very happy that we got yeah to go see, got it. see it. Yes, it was a bit of a a bit of a longer drive than usual to AMC because this was this was the closest yeah. one that was playing it. Yeah. Um, I've heard people who have reviewed this say they drove way further. Yeah. Uh, somebody that I know, they like they they drove two hours to go see this. Does the public know where we live? Uh, I don't think so. Dude, in the Chicagoland area. So the uh, 
for all of our for all the talk about for the town that we live in being quote unquote far away from everything, it's really it's not not it's not it's very easy to get to. We are a forty five minute drive from downtown Chicago. Yes, yeah. like right. That's. Yeah. That's the that's we're, where everything needs to be. We're a half hour from where we saw this movie, right? It's yeah. it's, it's very easy to get to where where we need to get to. Yeah. Get I mean when when I went to see uh, a limited screening of 1917, yeah. that was at the, the River No, uh River East oh, in, in downtown in Chicago. The city. Yeah, in the city. Yeah. That was yeah. a 45 minute drive. Yeah. Totally worth it. Exactly. So, I don't know. Uh, there really is nothing else to talk about this because you the want, movie is not out. You wanted to ask about my rating? Yes. Yeah. So you mentioned that you rated this your highest so far, a 4.5. Yeah. What would it, what movies have you actually rated a 5 and what would it have taken for this movie to be a 5? None on Letterboxd yet. Here, let me see. So I think Hereditary is a 5. Uh-huh. I think, for me at least, not that Hereditary has, like, one specific theme, but I think it's the things that it argues are very, very resonant, right? It's easy It's easy to pick up on it. Same for me with The Witch, right? Mm-hmm. That's another five for me. The Witch, really? Yeah, I love, I love The Witch. Interesting. Um, I, this is, this is going to sound very pretentious, but hear me out. <laughs> I don't think this movie is as quote unquote smart as those movies. Fair. And if it if it had that, then maybe it would get the extra half star. Okay. But goddamn, does it do everything else? And it's no dumb movie. It's, it's not. not. A, yeah, it, it's a very accessible. That's the yeah, difference. It's I a think. very accessible good movie. <clears throat> I feel like I could make Katie watch this. Katie's my wife. My wife. My wife. Yeah. For anybody who who may not know us. Yeah. Um. My, my goodness, getting getting Katie to watch a horror movie yeah. and agree that it's good or or bad is very difficult. Yes. She famously hates Hereditary. Yeah. She's like, this movie is just too it's yeah. it's too smart for its own good. Yeah. Uh, she found the witch to be very boring. Yeah. I feel like the benefit of this movie is that I think it's way more accessible. Yes. Which then it also is like you know can't get terribly complex. Right. It's a very straightforward movie. Which by by the way, um, all of you, uh, you know, young people who are trying to go on a date, uh, and you're, you you want your uh, your squeamish significant other to sort of like jump in your arms in the theater. This movie will do it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> yeah. You know the stereotype yeah. is. You t- get to be the guy. You get to be the guy. <laughs> at the <laughs> end, at the end, you can look at your wife you or your girl and be Finn. like, I'm Finn. Yeah. Um. I, I really did like this movie a lot. Yeah, uh, it's it's up there for me this year with Top Gun as two yeah. of my favorite movies of probably the year, definitely the summer. Yep. Um, and I will probably be going back to watch this at least once or twice more. I want to see it again. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's there's really no other information. Uh, I don't know the budget. It doesn't look to be high budget at all. No. Very low budget. It, it does everything right as far yeah. as keeping itself small enough, but still competently well made. Uh, RT critics give it 7.9 out of 10. Eh, that's the average. Yeah. Uh, but it's also only like 20-some reviews. Yeah. So, you know, some of them could be like 6s or 7s. Some of them right. could be 9s or 10s. 
but it does have a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes from both top critics and all critics. I, I think maybe one thing I want to leave us with is that um, I really enjoy the horror genre because of its versatility. There is a there there is a surprising amount of what you can do in horror. Mm-hmm. And let me let me just be ambitious and hyperbolic here. Maybe more than a lot of other genres, right? Like you could you, someone you could say you could say, "Oh, go see the Black Phone," and people be like, "What kind of movie is it?" And you could say a horror movie, um, and they could have a totally different idea, mm-hmm. right, of like what type of horror movie it is, right? Um, you know, there there are still different types of action movies, right? But I I think. Your scope of what action can be, even though it's such a broad name, right, mm-hmm. is kind of maybe even more narrow of what horror mm-hmm. can do. And I, I think this movie is a fresh take on what horror can do. It's a good time. So to before before we close off, yeah. uh, to to your point about how versatile horror is, one of my favorite YouTube channels for the past four years yeah. has been Dead Meat. Yeah, uh, they do a show called The Kill Count where they go through horror movies and they talk about the movie and they go into detail about the production. But the main point of it is, hey, look who died here this yeah. at this point uh, and how many people died at the end of the thing. But looking at the various movies that they cover in this channel, like it really kind of puts that point that you made into perspective of just how diverse the horror genre is. Yes. Uh, I mean, just from simple movies like Halloween, just your standard slashers, yeah. to like Zombieland, to, your your horror comedies. Horror, right? yeah. They they talked to about Blumhouse. the witch, Blumhouse, yeah. Hereditary. Yeah. Like there are just so many different movies. Yeah. And and it kinda sucks that uh, it's a second fiddle genre. It's treated as a second middle genre, and yeah. and I think that's the biggest uh, disservice hmm. for it because there are a lot of movies that. Well, here, who's the most famous American short story novelist or short story? Stephen writer? King. Uh, short story. Oh, short story in American history. Oh. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, I mean, we there's a rich legacy of this genre, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the first American short stories ever. Um, is Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's... It it, it, it has a history. So it, it just it's just kind of a shame that, like... You know... And it, it sucks it's because... It's not getting the respect it deserves. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, like, if it's done well... Yeah. It's timeless. Yeah. You can you can use the same stories for, for whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Very good movie. Very good movie. Uh, we will be back sometime, sometime, sometime soon. soon. Yes. Uh, summer movie season is yep. pretty. Lot to do. Lot to do. Lot to do. So I don't know exactly what movie will be next. Yeah. Um, I know we definitely have a How I Met Your Mother episode coming on Monday. Yep. We're trying to do those. I think we try to do those on Mondays. Yeah. Just gives me more time. Um, and then we will see what what comes next. But until then, thank you for joining us. You can follow us at the Cinescoots on Twitter. Twitter. Yes. Um, our friend Thano here is going to work on getting us on <laughs> on Apple Podcasts because I could Apple. I could not figure it out. Tim Apple does not yes. want me. 
uh, but we are so he, far. He heard us talking shit. He maybe he did, yeah. Yes. Uh, but so far we are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts, okay. Anchor, yep. and hopefully soon. Uh, on these nuts. On these nuts. On these nuts. <laughs> All right, I'm Javier. I'm Tano. Bye. Bye.